Welcome to Sportsbeat Kansas City, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 21st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Spring training has started for the Royals, and this is the best time of year to wonder about a team's prospects. But late last week, we got to look back as well. The Royals announced former manager Ned Yost is the latest member of the team's Hall of Fame. He'll be inducted in a ceremony in September. We got a chance to chat with Yost and hear some of the keys to the 2014 and 2015 AL Championship teams with the second one winning the World Series. Yost also weighed in on this year's Young Royals and is optimistic about their development. Okay, let's hear from the newest Royals Hall of Famer Ned Yost from his recent question and answer session with reporters. Congratulations to Ned, the 27th inductee of the Hall of Fame, uh, Royals Hall of Fame. That will happen September 2nd before our game against the Red Sox. The winningest manager in Royals history, 2014 AL pennant, and of course 2015 World Series. So, um, Ned, congratulations. And um, Vahe has been logged on to this for an hour, so he, he earned the first question. Go ahead, Vahe. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I've got a couple, but I'll just ask one now and circle back. I, I, it's sort of the obvious thing, Ned. I, how, how does this strike you, and, and what does it uh, tell you at, at, about your time with the Royals and, and what you treasure about that? Well, uh, it, it means a lot. You know, I was, when this process kind of first started, I always thought, you know, because it's such a great honor if I was truly deserving of this because we had so many people involved in our success and it started with player development started with scouting Lonnie Goldberg and his group and then all the, the player development people uh, our front office and the baseball ops um, it was a great scenario not, not, you know not even including our major league coaches and all the great work that they did you know it was a very combined effort uh and it was kind of a little strange because of the, combi- of the combined effort, in my mind, I was the one that reaped the benefits of it from everybody's hard work. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm like, man, I don't know if I, if I really and truly deserve all of this, uh, especially this great honor. But, um, you know, I think the, the thing that kind of really helped me get through it was, uh, you know, I thought, you know, the answer would be, is if I get inducted in the first go-around. If I didn't, then that would give me my answer, you know, that that, that probably was a more uh, cumulative effect from a bunch of great people working together. But, you know, you sit back and you look at everything we accomplished, and to be a part of it was tremendous. And even though it was a small part of it, you know, I'm the one that reaps the benefit of it. So... I'm very, uh, I'm very honored to, you know, for this to happen. It's a, it's a, it's a great honor, and it's one that I truly, truly appreciate. And just a small follow-up for now, Ned. Obviously, I'm sure you still care about the club and follow it to some degree. Have you tracked it enough that you have some sense of uh, what's been bubbling the last year or two? And and do you see it as any parallel to what happened before you guys kind of flipped the switch? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think that they are in a great position to start moving forward. I remember uh, um, my last year, I was sitting on the bench with Mr. Glass, and he asked me, he said, uh, you know, how long do you think that it'll take for this club to get back into contention? And, and that was at the point where we had drafted all those young pitchers, and we had uh, 
you know, Bobby Witt Jr. and all these kids coming. And I told Mr. Glass that it's probably going to take four years. It's going to take them to the point to where they can get to the big leagues. And once they get there, it's always been my experience. And it was it, it held true with, with the Royals in 13, the two-and-a-half-year mark. It's going to take them two-and-a-half years before they can, uh, you know, gel together to become a, a you know a championship caliber or a championship contending team mr glass looked at me and he said uh, that's too long and i didn't know what he meant at that time you know i'm like that was classic mr glass he wanted it tomorrow and i just kept thinking you know well that's what it's going to be well last year was the four-year mark so i think they're a little behind but i think they're going to catch up tremendously this year i think they're going to make uh, big strides forward um, I like the moves that they make. I like, uh, you know, the confidence that these young kids are developing. I like the experience that they gained last year. And I think this is going to be a big year moving forward in terms of experience and um, winning some ball games. And, uh, you know, I think it's just the start of some good things to come. All right. Uh, Andy Rogers. We never crossed paths, but I'm the new Flanny. Uh, I've been here for a couple of years now, so. Uh, but congratulations! I just wonder um, how you found out uh, about uh, this honor and uh, what your kind of first reaction was. Well, Sam and Kurt called, and um, uh, you know, I was excited. I was out working on the farm, and I was in my skid steer, and uh, the phone rang, and it was Sam. And I was thinking to myself, "Well, what the heck does he want?" So I answered it, and they broke the news to me, and uh, it was it was really exciting. Um, I hadn't been paying that much attention to it. Um, I think somebody t- told me that the fans were voting, uh, and I thought, well, okay, well, what does that mean? And they said that you were up for the Hall of Fame. I didn't even know it going into this year. And um, so I was really excited when uh, when I got that news. All right, uh, Blair. Hey, Ned, I, I wanted to, to just take you back to spring training in 2015. You guys were coming off the kind of the, the crushing Game 7 loss, and, and I, I just remember th- being there and thinking, you know, the, the boy, it should be more upbeat here, and it was really a business-like approach. And I just wondered uh, w- what you remember about that 2015 spring training. Um, I just remember uh – the feeling that it felt like you worked so hard in 14, uh, you know, to get to the top of the mountain and you're one step away from reaching the summit and all of a sudden somebody kicked you in the butt and you rolled all the way back down the hill again. So I knew at that point that, um, and our team knew that we could show up every day and win ball games and that we were going to compete for a championship. We knew how good we were. We knew what it took to win as a group. Uh, they had full belief in their abilities and not just belief, they knew it in their heart uh, as well as in their head uh, that they could accomplish something great. So, you know, that year was a lot of fun. Um, it was uh, a year where you woke up every day excited knowing that you were going to show up at the ballpark and, and win ball games. And I think that the, the, the best part about it is, and I don't care, I don't care who you are, and sports fans, baseball fans particularly, they just want you to win, and that's it. They want you to win. Well, the problem that you run into and that we ran into kind of in 
10 and 11 and started to come out of it in 12 and 17 and 18 and 19 is you're not going to win without talent. I mean, that's just the way that it is. You, you can fight and put up a good fight and you can, you know, you can say the right things, but unless you have talent, you're not going to be able to compete. And in 10 and 11, we were developing that talent at the minor league level. We had all those kids, Haas and Moose and Salvi and Herrera and all those kids coming up to the minor league. So we were just waiting for them to get there. In 17, 18, and 19, we were amassing our talent again, restocking, if you will, our talent again uh, to get to the point where they are today, where they, you know, can start to take steps forward. But, you know, in uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, and even into 17, we were a talented team. And it showed. I mean, we were 52 games over 500 during that period. Won two American League championships and a World Championship, so um, it was uh, it, it was an exciting time. It was a time that we knew we were good. We knew we had talent. We knew we could could, could compete, and uh, that that makes it fun. That that makes it that makes it fun. You wake up every day excited and uh, raring to come to the ballpark and put on a show for your fans. Right, uh, Serena. Ned, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, first of all, you look back on it, and uh, you got any? Mis- you know, you look, uh, say, I made a mistake here or there, right? Like, obviously, it all added up to a very successful run. But is there anything that you you look back on now that maybe we didn't get to hear about in the time because you had to protect a player or what have you? But you say, well, we probably made a mistake here, or I made a mistake there. Not really, Saran. I, I do have one regret. And my, my regret, really, if I sit back and I've thought about this a lot, um, my regret was 2016. We couldn't have done a better job of finding a way to get into the playoffs in 16. You know, we had won in 15. It was such a high. Uh, the hardest thing to do, and I think you look back on, is, is to go back-to-back. I mean, our team's... World Series teams has been a long time since that since that's happened, and I don't know if it's if it was a bit of complacency or or satisfaction that we had accomplished something special. Um, but you know, if I could go back and do that again, I would push a lot harder. I think in '16, we uh, you, you know to see if we couldn't duplicate it. Um, but besides that, that that's my one big regret throughout my whole managerial career was that uh, you know we couldn't bring our fans another opportunity to experience another championship or at least a playoff run in 16. Uh, John McKay was a, uh, an accomplished NFL coach, uh, you know, had a five-year plan in Tampa, uh, and, he, and he turned the bucks, took him from an expansion franchise to being a playoff team, and the time everybody talked about that after his career was over he said well i'll tell you how big a genius i was i had a five-year plan because i had a five-year contract um and that you know he whether that was just comedy or or reality you you sat many times and answered questions from us about why didn't you pinch hit for alcd's escobar why did you know how about this guy and you would sit there you know always very happy and and thrilled to answer the question as i recall uh and and you would say because when we when we get to be a great team this guy's going to perform. These guys are going to be the guys we're going to have to get to. How much of that is, you know, you just have to will it to happen. You have to say it, whether you believe it or not. You know, the John McKay thing, five-year contract is a five-year plan because a five-year contract, like you don't have any other choice. It's got to be these guys. And how much was on each one of those guys you actually actually saw it? 
Uh, Saran, that's a great question because, um, you know, I saw these kids in 2010, and for better or for worse, you know, I feel like I've always been a pretty good judge of talent. Uh, And I could tell that these young kids uh, had a chance to be special. So you amass these kids in a group, you bring them to the big leagues, and for me, my mindset was because I understood what kind of baseball town Kansas City was. And um, I loved the fan base early on when I was a player. I loved coming to Kansas City. I loved uh, the excitement in the stands. And, of course, that was the heyday back in the, you know, the early 80s when the Royals were doing really, really well. And you could just tell that it was a phenomenal baseball town. And for me, going back again, we were talking about that talent. You know, you want us to win even though we don't have talent. That's impossible. you got to have talent to win ball games, to compete for a championship. And for me, I knew that that group was coming. I knew that once they got there, it would take about two and a half years because it had been my experience with the Atlanta Braves that when that group of kids got together, it took them about two and a half years before they took off. And then they went on a 14-year run where they won the division championship. And they did a great job of drafting and replacing guys when they needed to to keep their payroll under control. Being a small market team, I knew that we weren't going to make great additions um, through the free agent market or through big blockbuster trades. We did to get us over the hump in 15. But for me, it didn't make any sense. And I wasn't interested in playing 500 baseball year in and year out. I wanted to win a championship. That was my focus. So every day we did the best we could to try to develop these kids at the big league level to become champions. We gave, I knew that they had to get through situations and understand situations. They needed that experience so that by the time we were capable of winning a division or capable of making it to the playoffs, those guys would have that experience. So... I tried to explain that early on to you guys. And the reason I wasn't uh, always so happy to to answer questions, because you guys never got it. You guys never understood what I was trying to accomplish. And you all looked at me like I was stupid. But, you know, the thing about it was players didn't believe it either. I mean, Zach Granke, I had to try to talk Zach into this. This is where we're going, Zach. This is where we're headed. And Zach... Zach said, I don't believe it. I've heard it too many times. So I understood it. The, the Royals fans had heard it so many times, and then it just never came to fruition. It never worked out. But I had in my mind a group of guys that I thought that could be very, very competitive and could take us to the playoffs and eventually have a chance to win a championship. So my whole focus was to do whatever it took and if it meant losing a game today because I didn't pinch hit for this kid right now, which would have meant we would have made 79 wins or 80 wins on the year, I could care less about that. And that drove fans crazy. It drove you crazy. It drove Sam crazy. But for me, my mindset was I wanted to win a championship, and I was going to do everything that I could, take the heat for it, to give these guys the experience that they needed so when we got to that point, they could take off. And, and for me, luckily, the plan worked perfectly. Um, you know, you look at, uh, at what Eski did 
when it came time, you look at what all these kids did when it came time. They were ready to win, and uh, it worked out for us because it's tough, man. When you got uh, a, a group of young guys, you get them to the big leagues, you're on the clock. You got six years to make it happen. And, uh, you know, I knew that. I understood that. So I wanted to take full advantage of uh, every minute that we had to try to develop these kids at the big league level to try to give them as many experiences and as many failures because they learned from failure that they could get so that when we got to that point, they would be ready to run with it, and it just worked out perfect. Uh, last one for me, Ned, is is the approach, you know, Dayton always had very much a, uh, a belief in, in caring more about the players than, than any other organization, right? He's, he's been very upfront about that. And they right. backed it up. The organization's backed it up by paying minor leaguers during the pandemic. It's something that they followed. Is, is that something that is still a path to victory, or has the modern game, with the amount of revenue that's there, the analytics, all the video, all the technical side of things, uh, is, is that not really um, something that can be followed you, you have to be more cold and constantly turning over the roster to to, to create a championship caliber club in a small market i, I think Soren, that's another good question i i think that that um for me i think chemistry is so important and you look you can you can do for me you can actually do both i mean you look what the job that andy reed's done with the chiefs i mean those guys love them they worship them uh, you know, they got a very tight bond. Their chemistry is tremendous. But Andy's on top of his game. They move players. They move players that they did, that they really don't want to move. Tariq Hill and Mayhew and these guys, they, you know, they moved key players. But you still care about the individual person. And that's what it is. They're not, they're not just numbers on a piece of paper. They're people like everybody else. They've got families and uh, I, I think it's really important, and I think that's where, you know, Matt's on a good course right now in Kansas City about, you know, giving the players a bit of a voice so that they can feel a part of what everybody's trying to achieve and everybody's trying to grow and everybody takes ownership of it. Um, so I think it's vitally important. There are clubs that, you know, the cold, uh, you know, the, the cold way of doing things, it works too. So, it just depends. For me, I'm not really smart enough to understand which way is the best way. My way, you know, I always felt it was important that you try to develop really, really good baseball players, but you try to develop good sons and good husbands and good fathers and good teammates uh, along with it. And I think you can do both. As long as your communication is open and honest, they understand where you're coming from, they understand that you that you've got their best interest at heart. Sometimes your best your best interest isn't the best interest of the organization, and you got to move on. And it, you know we're all upfront with, with that too. But I think it's important that uh, you know you build a real strong relationship, and it's a trusting relationship. It's a relationship out of respect with the players. I think that's important. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. All right, uh, Todd Lebo. Hey, Skip, congratulations. Uh, just a kind of a general question about what's kind of going on with Major League Baseball. They got some of these new rules to shift stuff, the larger bases. What do you think about kind of where baseball's headed with some of these changes and if they're going to work or not? Well, I, I do. I, th- I, you know, I don't really mind them. I really like the shift rule. I thought that the, you know, for me, even though everybody got a lot smarter, what it did was it it really took away from the offense in the game, which when you start taking away the offense, you start taking away the strategy of the game. All of a sudden, you're losing the singles, guys. You know, you, you're hitting doubles and triples and hitting balls in the gap, but you take away the single, you take away the bunt, you take away the hit and run, you take away the steal. <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of strategical moves that I think the shift took away from. Now that the shift is eliminated, I think it's going to open up the game more. I think it's going to be more. Um, you're going to see more action in the game. I think you're going to beat out more hits with the bigger bases, which is going to create more action in the game. I really like the fact um, with the 10th inning rule and a tie ball game because you could absolutely wear your bullpen out in those extra inning games. I like that. So, you know, I think the pitch clock is good. I think that, you know, pitchers need to pick up the tempo a little bit. They, They sit out there and think a little too much and, you know, you watch the really, really good ones. They get the ball and go. Boom! They get the ball and go. So I like that rule. I, just, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how all these things play out. But I think there's going to be just a little bit of adjustment early on, and for the most part, it's probably going to be all, all, you know, taken care of by the end of spring training, and it's going to be uh, business as usual once uh, once the season starts. But I'm for them. I, I like them. I think it's going to create more action. I think it's going to create more offense and. Uh, I think it's going to create more excitement. And a, a personal one, you said you're out there working on the farm. You got any big bucks the last few years? Have you gotten to go turkey hunting in the spring? What's it been like? Yeah, we've been letting the turkeys rest a little bit. We've been watching them. We've got uh, four or five really big gobblers we've been keeping our eyes on. And, uh, um, you know, Saran was talking about a five-year plan. I've got a five-year plan on my garden. I'm in year three trying to perfect my gardening skills, so... We grow uh, tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and squash and okra and a bunch of different stuff, and we're getting better at that. But, you know, I haven't killed a buck. We've killed a bunch of does. I saved the bucks for the kids and for for guests. But uh, uh, we killed, uh, I don't know, 23, 24 deer on the farm this year. So it was uh, it was a good year. Thanks. Congrats again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, hey. Uh, Ned, uh, just, you know, you had the talent on those 2014, 2015 teams, obviously, but I think part of the 
the magic that people remember is the joy those teams played with. And I, I wonder how much that spoke to uh, a chemistry that kind of put it over the top um, and, 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 and how much that that feeling from that season still resonates with you. Then I'll just have one other, Sam. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, you sit back and, you know, Rahe, when you – there's a special bond – and it's hard to explain. We did last year, I think it was the 40th reunion of the Can- the Milwaukee team when we went to the World Series. And to, we had a big deal in, in Milwaukee, and all the players got together, and it was really a neat little um, reunion with, with that group. And when you accomplish something special with a group of guys, that's something that kind of lives forever. And I'll never forget, um, and, and it really sunk home for me um, when um, Yo Donna Ventura passed away, because I had just come back from an autograph session in Milwaukee with a bunch of those guys. We were there for the weekend, and we just had a tremendous time. And I just kept remembering the chemistry that we had as a group on that 82 team, how everybody was so close and everybody really, like we'd go out to dinner, there'd be 18, 19 guys that would go to dinner together. And it was just a special bond. And it was a, a special bond with a group of guys that accomplished something special. Now other teams, when we did do it, there's nothing there. But when you accomplish something special with a group of guys like that, it's, it, it stays with you forever. So when I got home that Sunday, Dayton called me and told me that Ventura passed away. You know, that was part of, that, that's when it really hit home, that, that it's going to affect so many guys on this team because we created something so special that we went through the ups and downs of a two-year period together. We all kind of celebrated each other's successes, and we all kind of mourned each other's losses. And it, it was a very, very special time. So there is a unique closeness, I think, um, with that group, uh, just because of everything that we accomplished. And I think each and every one will sit back and remember those times, you know, with fond, fond memories. And the other thing, Ned, you, you mentioned this, but I was thinking about it before. With Andy, you had a little bit of a relationship with Andy Reid when you were here. Is it such that you've kept in touch with him through uh, the, the years and after the Super Bowl and stuff? Yeah, I text them, you know, here and there. Um, but, again, I just don't – I don't want to get – you know, I know he's busy. I don't want to bother him. But, you know, I watch everything that he does. I'm a huge admirer of Andy's. Uh, I've got tremendous respect. And uh, I was just so happy with this with this last championship um, to see him accomplish that. But um, I just – I think the world of him for sure. All right, uh, Sam McDowell. Hey, what's up, Ned? Um, hey. Hey, um, when you mentioned something earlier about um, you wish you would have pushed a little bit harder in 2016, you know, obviously it's not just uh, singular to baseball that teams have a hard time repeating as the World Series champion. So as, as somebody who's had time to reflect on what it takes to maybe – get teams back in that mindset obviously one of the reasons i'm asking this is the chiefs are going to be in this position right so what is something you wish what was push what does push harder mean in that situation in that situation i've kind of done a little you know reflecting on it and you go back and you look at 
coaches that have won kind of multiple championships and how they went about it, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And I, I think the thing that struck out to me was when we went to spring training in 16, it was a really, really strong sense of, uh, you know, being satisfied that we had done what we had set out to do. Uh, we had won a world championship for our, our fans, our fans, and and I never understood what a world championship meant to a city until we did that. So the feeling of accomplishment was great. But the one thing that they did was, even though it was such a great accomplishment, at the beginning of each season, they would not allow, and Kirby Smart did that this year too, they would not allow their players to mention the year before. They would not allow them to mention a World Series or a national championship or a football championship. That was it. That year was over. This is a brand new year, and we've got business to attend to this year, and I wish I'd have been a little more in tune with that instead of you know feeling the joy of that championship uh, in the all through spring training and even going in you know to the season when we got our rings and stuff like that. I wish I would have been a little more in tune with trying to get them to understand, hey, what we accomplished last year was great. It was wonderful. It's outstanding. But that was last year. Now, that's got to be blocked out of our mind, and we've got to move forward uh, with this year. And and we have the opportunity because basically we've got uh, a team with tremendous talent. We, we have the opportunity to create something special this year. So forget about last year. Let's come back with the same intensity. Let's came, come back with the same mindset with the same goals and move forward to accomplish it again and um you know that's what i mean by pushing a little bit harder in that situation i also wanted to ask just what when you reflect on what worked um just over those obviously the royals have a similarly young roster and i realize every person's different probably needs to be managed a little bit different but when you get in the Hall of Fame, it, it probably prompts you to reflect on, on what did work. What, what do you think, as far as your, your style, really resonated with that group? Patience, more than anything else. I gave them the opportunity to grow. I gave them the opportunity to become successful. You look at Mike Moustakas hitting 160, yeah. and you know even in Moose's mind at that time, he was wondering how much longer is he going to play me? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm horrible. Look, I'm going to play you every day until you can't handle it mentally. And it got to the point where he couldn't handle it mentally. We sent him that back to AAA. He reset and came back and was a different player. But patience is vitally important with these, with these young players. You have to give them the opportunity, especially if you believe they've got talent, you've got to give them the opportunity to fail, to learn, to grow, to gain experience so that when they get down the road, all of a sudden these things they're putting in their pocket, they start to understand the game. They're starting to understand what it takes to win. They're starting to understand what it what it, it means to be a good teammate and to grow together. Uh, and you have to be able to take the pressure off of them by taking the heat, if you will, in situations when they are struggling. And, and just take that off of Just say, look, I believe in this kid. We're going to be all right. And I think that that was more than anything. People never really understood that. But for me, that was the key, to have patience, to let them grow, let them fail, let them continue to understand what it takes to win ball games. 
teach them the game, when they make a mistake, point it out to them. This is where this is what we're trying to get to, and just let let them get to the point where they believe in themselves because that's the final that's the final part where they believe in their heart that they're good enough to win compared to believing in their head. They, everybody believes in their head, but there's a huge difference between believing in your head and believing in your heart that you got a chance to win ball games. And uh, that that was the thing I think that worked more than anything else was that hey we got to have patience here. We got to put these kids through the fire. We got to continue to get them to grow. We got to hopefully get them to the point where they can be successful, and then we'll take off. And that's exactly what happened. Time in Kansas City is no longer. I wondered if you had any contact with him since, and if you could just reflect on uh, his his place in all of this as well. Well, again, um, yes, I talk to Dayton quite often. Still, um, you know, this I, I truly believe that Dayton was the architect of all of this. That none of this would have happened without. Dayton Moore at the head of the baseball ops. Um, he put together a team of Lonnie Goldberg, who, uh, you know, had done a phenomenal job of uh, amassing talent through the draft. Their hard work every year. They did it when we ran in 14 and 15. It was all of Lonnie's and his scouts' hard work at that, at that point. Um, then Lonnie has come back and restocked the shelves, if you will, after uh, all that core group left uh, and, you know, got really strong players and, you know, Bobby Wood Jr., the whole, I mean, the guys you're looking at today, the pitching, uh, you know, Brady Singer and, and all, of the, all of these kids have got a chance to be really, really good players. So he put all of that together. He put together a phenomenal player development system. Um, that was important. He put together, helped me put together a tremendous major league coaching staff. So he was the overseer over everything that happened. And everything that happened was because of Dayton. He put all the pieces in place. He sat back and he let us all do our jobs. And, uh, you know, it was, it, this would have never happened without Dayton Moore. So, you know, again, you me, I get into the Hall of Fame. I'm in the Hall of Royals Hall of Fame because of the work of so many fine people in our organization. Uh, and I, I kind of reap the benefits of that, luckily, um, for me. But there were so many people behind the scenes that made this possible, that made our world championship possible, that people don't even know their names. And uh, Dayton was, uh, Dayton and Mr. Glass were, were instrumental in that world champion to the point where I'm not sure that we go to the World Series if date one wasn't in charge. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. You know I love the Morning Sports Edition. It's all the stories produced by the Stars staff, plus news, features, and columns that cover the nation. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com to see what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.